Good morning. It's good to see you uh, here with us on our live stream on our Facebook page. Things are a little different these days for all of us in every realm of life with so many things shut down and businesses closed, restaurants closed, churches even having to uh, suspend public worship, public gatherings. But thankfully, in this day and age with technology, we can gather together virtually and um, communicate, still teach the Word of God, and um, even minister to one another. So we're having to become creative, but this is actually a good thing for us, and I believe it's going to benefit us as we move forward in in our lives and in our ministry. So thank you again for being here with us uh, on our stream this morning. Let me just begin with a word of prayer, and uh, we're going to begin to just look at God's Word. And and, um, I believe God wants to encourage us today from His Word and, and strengthen us and to help us in difficult time, this difficult season that we're living in. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for you. We know that you are good. God, we know that you are sovereign. Lord, we know that there's nothing that's happening right now in our lives, in our community, and even around the world that you haven't uh, sovereignly been in control of, that you are not aware of. And God, we just trust you today. We just lean into you in these troubling times, in these uh, this season of uncertainty, we know that you are the one certain thing in our lives. And so we just want to appeal to you. We want to invite you into our hearts and into our minds and, Lord, into our spaces today as we gather together virtually. And so, Lord, I pray that wherever those who are watching are at right now, that you would just meet them. God, use your word to encourage them, to strengthen them. And we pray for your Holy Spirit to move in us, to transform us, to make us more and more like the Lord Jesus. So bless our time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to encourage you to take your Bible, if you will. I, I know that you probably uh, are sitting there in your living room or your bedroom or, or maybe you're out on the deck this morning and you're drinking that cup of coffee and you didn't have to get up and get all fixed up because no one but your family is there to watch and to see what you're wearing. And so it doesn't matter. Let's just be comfortable and let's be where we are. And so I'm going to invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Revelation. We're going to be in chapter 6 this morning. What I really want to do is, in, in this season that we're in as, as a nation, obviously as a church and families, I want to speak to that. So I want to play the role of prophet, if I could, this morning. Just try to make some sense out of what's happening and ask some good questions, look at God's Word, and, uh, and just see what the Lord may be wanting to tell us and to speak to us about in this season and in this day and what's taking place around us. So Revelation chapter 6, as you're finding your place there, I want to read from you from Psalm 106, verses 1 through 3. The psalmist says, Praise the Lord. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praise? Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Praise the Lord, the psalmist says. You know, regardless of what is happening in your life, regardless of what's happening uh, around our nation today, what's happening literally around the world, we know that God is good. The Bible tells us that he's good. The Bible tells us that his steadfast love, it endures forever. It doesn't matter what may come against us. doesn't matter what slams against our life. We know that we serve a good God. Now, I understand that circumstances around us right now They may not make things, uh, or the things that are happening to us may make it seem like God isn't good. It may make things, or or the things may make the Lord feel like he's not very loving to us, but we know that he is. You see, one of the great characteristics 
of our God. One of the things that the Bible teaches us about our God is that he is what theologians call immutable. He never changes. God does not change. In fact, Hebrews 13 8 tells us that he is the same yesterday and today and forever. God does not change. You and I, our circumstances, they all change. But God does not change. Over the past several weeks, as we've watched the spread of the coronavirus uh, really move across the globe, starting in Wuhan, China, moving into South Korea, to Italy, throughout Europe, and, and now really seeding itself here in our own land, we've become alarmed by this. The number of affections alarm us as we see them rise on a daily basis. We see the death toll continuing to rise. We see the spread going all across our nation. You see, our conditions continue to change. Most of us probably thought the virus would be contained in China or, or at least constrained to the continent of Asia. And instead, it continues to spread. And in its wake, it's leaving many sick. It's leaving some dead. But it's, all, it's leaving all of us financially hit. Today, I want to speak simply to the subject of responding faithfully to a pandemic? How do we, as the people of God, how do we, as followers of Jesus Christ, respond in faithfulness in the midst of a pandemic? How do we react to a situation like this? It's interesting that the Old Testament gives us many examples of pandemics and natural disasters. We read of stories throughout the Old Testament where natural disasters killed people and crippled people and economies. Most of these stories revolve around the Nation of Israel, they revolve around the people of God. Most of them deal with sin and Israel's rejection of God. In fact, Psalm 106 describes several of those disasters that came in the form of plagues and, and earthquakes and famine and even war. And so as we find ourselves today in the midst of what resembles a plague, how is it that we should respond? What should we do in the face of this adversity? be honest, here's how I've responded in the last several weeks. Initially, I, I didn't think much about the virus. As I looked and saw the reports and heard the, the headlines, uh, it just didn't to me seem like the numbers compared with those of the common flu. Uh, and maybe in some ways they still don't, even though the spread is, it seems to be much more quickly taking place. But I don't want you to misunderstand me. I was not dismissive of those who contracted the virus. See, the outbreak just didn't seem to be more disastrous than the other more common infections. But as the virus has spread, another danger has arisen. And so this has really got my attention in, in the recent days. You see, economies are being destroyed as the stock market plummets. Uh, economies are, are being destroyed as, as businesses are being forced to close. And I really believe that many more people are being and will be hurt by the economic outbreak flow of this, the fallout of this, than those who actually contract the virus. Now, that's not to dis diminish or take away from those who are going to suffer and are, are suffering and even losing their life as a result of the virus, but it's impacting all of us even if we don't contract the virus. The pandemic is far-reaching. So the situation should not surprise us, though, because many similar stories in the Bible touched all people in very similar ways. You see, as our situation continues to deteriorate, I am becoming more and more concerned. I'm alarmed by the spread of the virus despite all that we're doing to contain it. 
But I'm even more troubled by the impact that it's having on our economy. And here's why. Individuals are hurting. Families are hurting. All of us are taking a financial blow because of the pandemic. And so in, in, the, in the face of this pandemic, in light of what's happening, how should we respond? What is our faithful response to the pandemic that we're in the midst of? What should we do? Do we hunker down? Do we wait for it to pass? Do we hoard all that we have? Do we serve others? Do we continue to minister? Do we act as if nothing's taking place and continue on as business as usual? What is our response? Every time I contemplate over the situation, what seems to be our response, or what, and what seems to be our response, I'm reminded of how those in Revelation 6 that we looked at three or four weeks ago, how they responded to the judgment of God. You see, there in Revelation 6, when the sixth seal was opened, the people fled and hid themselves in caves. They quarantined themselves in the rocks of the mountains. Look with me, verse 12, and let's read through verse 17. John tells us, when he opened, that is, when Jesus opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us. And hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? If you've been with us on Sundays, you know that the first six seals have been opened. Seven seals, and the seventh is still to be opened, but these seals are on top of the scroll of destiny, and that contains all of the things that are going to happen, the trumpet judgments, the bowl judgments, and all of these things that are going to be unveiled and, and poured out upon godless humanity, upon Satan himself. But these are preliminary judgments, these seven seals. They, they, they are the preliminary events leading up to and containing what Jesus describes in Matthew chapter 24, verse 8, as the beginning of birth pains. They're introductory judgments on earth, preparing for those greater judgments to come. These judgments that come with the opening of the seals are frightening, devastating. We read in the early part of this chapter of the winds being unleashed, the four horsemen being unleashed, and now the wrath of the Lamb coming. But what's equally frightening to me is how people responded when the sixth seal is open. They hid themselves. See, they acknowledged God, and they acknowledged that He was the source of the judgment. They, they knew where it was coming from. They, they speak of the, the wrath of the one who sits on the throne. They speak of the wrath of the one who is the Lamb of God. They understood the source of the judgment. However, they did not turn from their way of life. They did not turn to the one who was bringing the judgment. They didn't cry out for mercy. They did not cry out for grace. They didn't seek reconciliation. Instead, the people of the, here in this passage, the people who are there and experienced the judgment from the sixth seal, what they did was hunker down 
They fled, and they hoped to simply wait him out. I wonder, as we think about our situation, could this be our approach to the COVID-19 pandemic? Is this what we are doing? Have we determined in our hearts that in a few weeks the situation is going to pass? Everything is going to return to normal. Is that what we're doing? The problem with this sort of logic is that things will never return to the way they were. Unfortunately, the financial situation is going to devastate many people. So could it be that the Lord has brought this pandemic upon us to open our eyes? Could it be that the Lord has allowed this to happen, to open our hearts to Him once again? Could it be that He's caused it as an act of judgment and at the same time an act of grace to draw us, to lead us to to faith and repentance once again in our lives? Regardless of how long this pandemic lasts, I believe the goal is not to return to normal, but it's to return to God. And so how do we faithfully respond to a pandemic? I believe we have to return to God. Let me just share a few things with you. First of all, let me just give you two realities that I believe are true in a pandemic. Reality number one is this. God can and will use anything to get your attention and to bring you to him. Verses 12, 13, and 14 kind of flesh this out for us. God is using these cosmic disturbances in the heavens and on the earth to unleash his judgment upon the ungodly. We see it also in the Old Testament. See, with Israel, God used famine and pestilence and plague and and even oppression to, to open the eyes of his people to their sinfulness and idolatry. All throughout the Bible, we see God using and causing certain things to bring people back to himself, to get their attention. And I believe God has allowed this, if not caused this, to open our eyes and open our hearts to him again. And so are we viewing our current situation through the proper lens? Are we warming up to the reality that God could be doing this to get our attention? And if so, are we willing to respond in faith? Are we willing to do that as an individual believer? Are we willing to do that as a church? Are we willing to do that as a culture today? Here's a second reality. The natural response of man is to become angry and evasive toward God. Verses 15 through 17, we see this kind of play itself out. The natural response of those who experience judgment here in this sixth seal was simply more rejection. Rather than coming to God, rather than they, they knowing that where the source was, the, the, the source for the judgment, rather than coming repentant and faithfully, rather than coming to God and seeking reconciliation, they continued to reject God. They continued to rebel against God. And so that is the natural response. It's to shake your fist in the face of God and try to be evasive and to flee from Him. To me, it would seem normal that the natural response to such devastation would, to be sur- would be surrender. It would be allegiance. It would be worship of God. But that's not what took place here. They hid themselves from God. They tried to hide from his wrath. Even the fact that they were outgunned did not lead them to repentance. But instead, they became angry and they became evasive, calling for the rocks to fall and to hide them. And today, we do much the same thing. 
When tragedy hits us, many defy God. Many will shake their fists in his face. Others will make empty promises. God, if you get me out of this, I promise, and then you just fill in the blank. That's what we do. We make empty promises. And it's nothing more than an evasive way to elude and to get away from the Lord and from him getting our attention. Many times we make promises to God only to go back on those promises when things get easy. I remember several years ago when 9-11 hit and, and churches were filled to capacity for weeks after that tragedy. And yet, three, four months later, when things began to calm down, when there was a, a sense of, of um, just understanding that things were going to be okay, people went back to their normal lives. God doesn't want us to be normal. God wants us to return to him. And so our repentance, quote-unquote, is really nothing more than evasiveness and a way to get around God's lordship over our lives. Those are two realities we know to be present in a pandemic. But God is working to open our eyes to our situation. And so how do we respond? Let me give you three proper responses in a pandemic. Here's the first response. Fall down in humility and brokenness before holy God. The message is simple this morning. How do we respond faithfully in the midst of a pandemic? Humble yourselves before the Lord and be broken before him. See, the people hiding from God and experiencing, experiencing his judgment here acknowledged in verse 17 that God was the one who was bringing it. They acknowledged that no one could stand in the midst of his wrath. They asked the question, who can stand before the one who sits on the throne? Who can stand before the lamb? Revelation tells us the answer to that question. Those who can stand are those who have humbled themselves before God. I'm reminded in James chapter 4, verse 6, that James says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We must acknowledge God's sovereignty in our lives. We must acknowledge God's greatness in our lives. We must see the Lord as Isaiah saw him, high and lifted up. And we must see ourselves as we are, sinners who have rebelled against God. How do we respond in the midst of a pandemic? We humble ourselves. We allow God to break our hearts, and we come before him broken and repentant. This leads to a second response. Honestly confess your sin before a holy God. Confess your sin before holy God. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10 says this. John here talking about forgiveness says, This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, I love this, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say have we, we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. 
What is John calling us to here in this passage? He's calling us to ongoing confession in our lives. Ongoing confession of our sins. Understanding that we are fallen creatures. Understanding that we are naturally bent to sin. Understanding that we have a propensity to walk away from God. And so John is calling us to be a people who are confessing our sin before the Lord and receiving his forgiveness. Fortunately, this is not usually our practice. We tend to live and we tend to act like everything is okay. And so God, what God has to do is he uses circumstances. He uses hardships and causes difficulties to come up in our lives to bring us to a place of confession, to bring us to a place of brokenness over our sin. They remind us that we're not in control of anything. If there's one thing that we've seen throughout this whole thing over the last several weeks is that we're not in control of anything, right? A microscopic organism, I don't even think it's scientifically an organism, is devastating individual lives. It's devastating families and cultures and economies. We're not in control of anything. Life is but a vapor. It's here one day and it's gone. But the Lord is in control of all things. As we see in the Old Testament, this is the way God worked with Israel. All throughout the book of Judges, we see that when Israel became faithless, when Israel began to chase after the idols of the nations that surrounded them, when they became faithless and idolaters, God would judge them through oppression until they confessed their sin and began to seek his face again. And then he would step in and heal them. Are we willing to take an honest assessment of our own lives, our own situation, an honest assessment of how we as families live, as a church, how we live? And compare it to the holiness of God. Are we willing to acknowledge where we have walked away from God's word, where we're sinning, and come back to him in confession? There's a third response that this leads to, and that is surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ as your Savior. You see, the people who stand in the midst of God's judgment there in Revelation 7 are those, as verse 14 tells us, it's those who have washed them wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb. They've turned from their sin. They've surrendered themselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And the Bible declares to us that when, they, when we do that, He forgives us of all sin. Why? It's because God is a God of love. God is a God of love. In fact, it's better said this way. God is love. The Bible tells us that. But the Bible also tells us that God is righteous. These are two of the wonderful and beautiful characteristics of God. They're not characteristics, they're not qualities that God measures up to. No, these are characteristics and qualities that these concepts are created or defined by. God is love. God is righteous. They are intertwined with one another. They shape one another. God's love shapes his righteousness. His righteousness shapes his love. They are inseparable. So when it comes to experiencing his love through mercy and grace, we cannot expect to find it apart from his righteousness as well. In other words, God never looks past your sin. God just never looks at you and says, I love you because I love you. No, he looks at you and says, I love you, and I'm righteous enough to change your life and to make you loving toward me and lovable. God never forgives sin without an acknowledgement of surrender in the believer's life. It's what his righteousness calls us to. 
God doesn't forgive sin and extend love without some sort of surrender. I shouldn't say that. I should say it this way. A complete surrender to his, to his lordship over and rule in your life. So I wonder this morning, could the reason for this current pandemic be because God is seeking to get our attention and to reveal our sinfulness to us? And to call us back to himself. Could the reason be an act of grace that leads to humility? It leads to confession. It leads to repentance as we surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Could it be the beginnings of a spiritual revival within the church today? The American church is weak. The American church is typically, uh, I would define it as nominal. We're Christian in name only. There's not much life in us as, as American Christians anymore. There's pockets of it here and there. There's the faith we're regenerated in every congregation. But by and large, the church is weak. Could it be that God is calling us to himself? My prayer is that we would experience revival like we haven't seen in generations. Could it be that God is seeking to revive his church so that there's a spiritual awakening that sweeps across our nation and sweeps across the nations of the world. And so we as the people of God, we as individual Christians and families and as a church, we must heed what God is doing. This has not happened by chance. This is not taking God by surprise. God doesn't uh, just wake up one day and, and, and wring his hands because something's out of control. No, God has sovereignly allowed and caused and brought this upon us to awaken our attention and our affection for him. How should we respond? Well, most of us, if not all of us today, would love for things to return to normal. We're sitting around in our homes. We're uh, somewhat quarantined into our, uh, our, our homes and our, our places that we do frequent to go out and get supplies and come back. But we're basically kind of homebound right now. And we long for the day for things to return to normal. We want health to return to people around the world. We want sick people to be healthy again. We want stores and we want restaurants and we want the gyms and we want our schools and we want our churches to reopen to be and to carry on with business as usual. We want our economy to resume and to begin to produce again. But our God may have other plans. We need to remember in this day that His ways are not our ways, His priorities are not our priorities. His normal is not our normal. God wants nothing to do with our normal. He wants nothing to do with our normal. You say, Pastor, why would you say that? What's wrong with our normal? Here's what's wrong with our normal. Normal is rebellion. Normal is a rejection of God. Normal is idolatry. Normal is infanticide as we as a country continue to embrace abortion on demand. And all of the things that has happened, even with that issue in recent months. Normal is the increase of sexual immorality throughout our culture. Normal is complacency within his church. God wants nothing to do with our normal. He wants to change our normal. God wants our hearts today. God wants our minds today. God wants our allegiance and our worship. And he is worthy of all of that. And so are we willing to open our eyes and to open our ears and to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. It's good that we've been in the book of Revelation in the last months. It's good that we walked through those seven letters of the churches in recent months. Every one of those letters, it ends with the same refrain. 
Let him who has ears hear what the Spirit says to the church. This morning, are we responding faithfully in the midst of this pandemic? We need to return to our first love as believers. Jesus must be our greatest affection. His words needs to be our highest standard. It needs to be the rule of what we believe and how we live our lives. We need revival personally. We need revival corporately. And we need revival in the church culturally. We need a spiritual awakening in our nation today. And so how do we respond faithfully in the face of this pandemic? We humble ourselves before holy God. We confess our sin and repent of it before holy God. And we surrender to his lordship afresh and anew. In all of this, there's good news. We know God loves us. We know God cares for us. We know that because the Bible tells us that we were made by God and we were made for God. We were made to intimately be in fellowship, in relationship with him. God's design over our lives allows us and perfectly gives us the ability to relate with him. God loves us today. No matter where we are, what's going on in our life, God loves you. The bad news in all of this is that we're sinful. The Bible tells us that we've all sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. We have broken his design over our lives. We're seeking our own things. And even as followers of Jesus, we have the tendency to stray from him. That's the bad news. The best news is the Bible tells us that God always says, come home. The Bible is always drawing us back to the Lord Jesus. The gospel declares that Jesus paid the penalty for our sin and we can be set free from it. The gospel tells us that Jesus offered his life as a perfect substitute to pay that penalty and so that we could be forgiven of all sin. The Bible tells us that he extends grace and forgiveness. And today I understand that many are anxious. I understand that many are fearful. I understand that many are are, are, uh, really concerned about what's going to happen next. Perhaps the better question is, what does God want to do in my own life in the midst of this pandemic? Maybe God is speaking to my heart, into my mind, and so, Lord, what do you want to say to me? He wants you to come home. And if you feel the fear that's coming out of this situation, if you feel the anxiety, I I love the promise that Jesus says, come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Today, let's rest in Jesus Christ. Let's rest in his loving arms. Let's rest in who he is. Let's rest in his grace. Let's rest in his mercy. Let's rest in his forgiveness and allow him to use us to be his hands and feet in this crisis. So today, what is God saying to your life? What is the response you need to have to this pandemic? Do you need to humble yourselves today? Is God using this to get your attention? Is he used this and the circumstances around it to, to help you see that, that the things that you've prioritized around you and you said these are what's most important really aren't that important after all? So many times we think that our banking account or our retirement or vacations and all the things that we've got planned, that those are the most important. And then the, the circumstances come and they kind of just make all of that crumble before our eyes. And we begin to realize those weren't really important to begin with. And so what is important? What is most important in the eyes of God for you and your family and for us as a church?
today? What do you, how do you need to respond? What do you need to do before the Lord? There's going to be a slide on the screen, I believe, in just a moment. And since we are virtually connected and, and I can't see you and you can only see me and I can't see how you're going to respond, but I want to encourage you to respond to what God's Word would tell us and teach us this morning. Maybe this morning, for the first time, you've realized that I'm not in relationship with Jesus Christ. That the greatest need in my life is, is not uh, to, to get a, a better job or a new job or whatever. My, my greatest need is not even to get over my sickness. The greatest need in my life is I need a relationship with Jesus. I'm not right with God. I've never confessed my sin. I've never turned from my sin. I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so this morning, if that's you, I want to encourage you to take some time and just text a simple statement, believe. That'll tell us that you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus. We'll follow up with you later today. Maybe this morning you need to rededicate afresh and anew. And God's beginning to, to just help you realize that that's a need. You're a follower of Jesus. You, there was a moment in your life when you placed your faith in him as Lord and Savior. But for whatever reason, you've been walking into guilty distance. And Jesus would tell you to come home. And so this morning you realize that you need to rededicate. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you want to talk about joining our church. Maybe you just need some prayer this morning. Whatever God is leading you to do, however he's leading you to respond today, I'm going to encourage you to just take a moment and respond to that number. Just the simple statement of belief, rededicate, baptism, membership, prayer, or perhaps there's some other response that you need to do or something you need help with today, you can send that as well. And we will follow up with you later this afternoon. But I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for tuning in and, and a new way that we're having to, I guess, I don't want to say do church because this is not necessarily church because we're not physically together, but at least we can communicate and connect this way on a weekly basis. And we're going to continue this, this as long as, as needed. Hopefully, prayerfully, this won't be an ongoing thing much more than a few weeks, but we're going to do it as long as needed. But thank you for being here this morning. Let me pray for us, and we'll close. Lord Jesus, we're grateful today for your love. Grateful today for your grace. And even as we've looked at this passage of Scripture here, and even as we've just kind of thought through and contemplated what the circumstances around us mean for us, we're reminded that you are a gracious and loving God. That even in judgment, you're using that to woo and to draw people to faith and repentance. And so God, thank you for that. We pray this morning for those who are affected by this virus here locally in our area, across our state, our nation, and even around the world. God, we pray for those who are hurting and suffering from its effects physically. We pray for those who are suffering and, 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 and feeling the effects of it economically and socially and so many other areas of our lives. God, we pray for relief. We thank you that you're a God who brings relief. We ask that you would do that. God, we pray for an end to this pandemic. We pray that you give our leaders wisdom from heaven, discernment of what to do and how to do. God, we pray that you would help us as the citizens of this nation to be wise about what we do and take precautions as needed, that we would follow the guidelines that have been given to us. And Lord, I pray that through that, that you will bring an end to the spread of this virus. God, we know that we are powerless before you. We know that there's nothing we can do against this. It's ultimately us just 
trusting in you and asking for your favor here. So God, bring an end to this, end, this pandemic. And Father, I pray that you administer to those who are suffering from it as we prayed. And God, help us from it all to keep our eyes upon you. I'm reminded of the passage we looked at last Sunday in Second Chronicles chapter 12. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. God, we give you ourselves. We give you our hearts. And we pray you do something fresh, do something new, do something transformational in us individually, congregationally, and Lord, culturally as a nation. We pray for revival. We pray for awakening. And God, we need it.